Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the High Vibration Living Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. Join me for conversation where we learn about food, wellness, beauty, travel, and spiritual concepts for high vibration living. Only you know what your body needs. Let this be the reminder that you have the power to tap in and know the food, self-care, and spiritual practices that will best serve you. I will be sharing my knowledge and learning with you from experts providing insight into nourishing all the layers of you, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and etheric bodies, so you can feel your best and live your dreams. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm so happy you're here today and are tuning into my conversation with registered dietitian, Lauren Hubert. You most likely know her online as the sorority nutritionist. Lauren Hubert is here to help women feel hot, healthy, and successful. Lauren is the registered dietitian and weight loss expert behind the sorority nutritionist, a brand that has taught thousands of women around the world to lose weight while having fun. In addition to the women she's coached, she has a large online following she supports with daily nutrition content. Determined to lose the 20 pounds she gained freshman year at Florida State University, Lauren began over-exercising and restricting her food to 1,000 calories because of what she found on the internet. When Lauren finally began studying nutrition, she realized her approach to dieting was all wrong and was actually hurting her metabolism. Her mission as a registered dietitian in the weight loss space is to not only inspire women to lose weight in a balanced and fun way, but to also make sure no woman feels guilty about wanting to feel hot, healthy, and successful. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Oh, Whitney, I'm so excited. I'm my new friend in in California, baby, because I'm moving there. (laughs) Absolutely, which is so exciting. What spurred this move um, for you and your husband to the West Coast? Yeah. So full transparency is all for my husband. I mean, I, I had a little bit of a pull, especially like loving podcasts and the media, like very excited for all things LA, um, even though I am a, a Northern girl at heart, but um, who knows, maybe I'll come back to the to the East Coast eventually. I'm, I'm a big Florida girl too. I spent a lot of time down there, but long story short, we're moving for my husband's job for at least a year. We'll be there. Well, it's a great space for someone who is a dietitian and loves diving into the health and wellness space. I'm really excited to see what you're going to create once you're out here because you're so good at teaching people about nutrition online. Like you really have a gift and a skill doing that. Um, how did you find your niche as a nutritionist? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny when I think back, because when I've been asked this before, I'm like, well, how did I stumble into this? Let's be real. Like, I didn't just think, oh, let's talk about being hot and sexy. Like, I think truthfully, part of it is one, my own journey. I wanted to feel my best. And so I'm talking about things that at the time when I started were a little bit more taboo. Like everyone's okay with losing weight, but like this idea of like owning hotness and like your sexuality and like loving the way that you look and being obsessed with it, like 
that's still like a little bit taboo. Like people get triggered when they say the word hot. And I'm like, I've never met a woman that doesn't want to feel hot, like whatever that means to her. So I think that was part of it. Um, but I think the second piece was honestly doing so many different things as a dietitian. I worked in food service. I worked in sports nutrition. I was in a private practice doing eating disorder counseling. Like I've done so many different things, at least for like a day, if not like longer than that. And it allowed me to realize, okay, that's not where I'm going to thrive. That's not going to be what I want to do. And that's really where I think I stumbled upon this niche of, of weight loss and especially for women and their confidence. But yeah, a little bit of my story, I think a little bit of honestly good old trial and error. Was there a time where this focus really started popping up to you. So clients constantly reaching out that were women wanting help with weight loss and maybe even women that were in college or going through a big life transition, needing guidance. Was there a time where just you were being inundated with clients in that realm that was kind of giving you that signal? Yeah. You know, the signal actually, if I'm being honest was, so I actually joined a private practice. I've never had like a quote unquote, like normal job. So I worked in private practice right after my master's degree. And it was then that I actually came up with the framework I teach my clients because I went through my own journey, but when I was actually at the end of my journey, which like is never ending, right? Like we're all on a journey, but at the end of my quote unquote weight loss journey, I like felt really confident. I felt really good. Like I was in a better place, but my clients, I was having so much difficulty with some of my female clients, helping them understand, like, don't focus on the scale day today. Like, what are you doing? I wanted to like shake them being like, you know, it's, it's not life or death, the scale every day. So that came up and really teaching them consistency because so many of them were like, I'm eating healthy, I'm exercising. The, the private practice I worked in was in a gym. So they were doing the exercise piece. In fact, some of them were in the gym and the trainers were recommending them to work with us. But it was really through that trial and error and realizing that there had to be a better way for me to teach them in a really structured, strategic way how not to obsess over the scale, how to focus on what really matters and honestly cut through the noise because even then, and that was way before I got into social media, there was just so much BS nutrition stuff I had to debunk for them. So I was trying to think about what is going to be the most effective way for people to see results. And then it got to the point where I realized this was my passion, but I also was really, really looking at social media. And this was like right when I started to get on it and not so much that there were people like knocking on my door. Like I kind of had to pave the way for myself for people to, you know, want to even work with me in the first place. Like it didn't just happen overnight. And I think that's really important to talk about, but it became so clear as day to me because it was what I was so passionate talking about. And I was like, there, there has to like, why are these people talking about nutrition and weight loss? Like you literally should not be talking about it yet. I was insecure and not talking about it. And I had my master's in clinical nutrition, like what's going on here. So that's when I really did the deep inner work to find out how I was going to be able to share my message and really identify what my message was in the first place. But yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing right when I first started. That is for sure. So what are some of the things that you have to work with your clients to demystify? Oh, so many. I mean, actually, I literally was looking back at something I posted on my Instagram story. I was like, what is the most outrageous nutrition advice that you've heard? And I was just like peeping, not just like my clients, but like, let's see what everyone's saying. The, the same things that I thought we were over, oh, girlfriends, come here. Like, we are not over them. Uh, carbs are fattening. You should not have fruit. It's too high in sugar. 
oh, you should just eat the carnivore diet if you're trying to lose weight. Protein is bad for you. Don't have it. It's going to cause kidney problems. Um, don't eat after 5 p.m. Don't eat after 8 p.m. Don't eat breakfast. Don't eat lunch. Like, like if there is something nutrition related, like I can tell you a myth around it. Like I feel like if you really look at the nutrition space, any topic on nutrition there or any positive thing about nutrition, I swear there's a negative spin. Like breakfast is good. Breakfast is bad. Like there's just so much conflicting information. I, every myth you just said, I still hear that to this day. Oh yeah. I hear it from friends who I think know better. I hear it from different people in the industry. I I hear it all the time, everything that you just brought up. Um, and I, find that even though I know better because I went to a culinary school where I had just as many classes with a registered dietitian as I did in an actual kitchen cooking, um, but I still find myself sometimes crossing up against food fear because some old thing I heard about fruit or starch or carb will creep back in. Do you have any advice um, as you you navigate this space yourself when those old food myths and fears creep back in. Yeah, I'm really glad you're bringing that up because even myself, a dietitian that I'm secure, I've helped thousands of women. Like I know what the hell I'm doing. Even I sometimes will see something on social media and I'll be like, hmm, is that true? Oh, let me look more into it. And sometimes it's the most bizarre thing. And then I'm like, okay, no, that's that's not right. But you know, other times it's things that are brand new and there's always going to be something that is new coming out. So that's why I think the most important thing is you have to equip yourself with knowledge when it comes to nutrition. And I'm not talking about like getting into great nutrition. I'm not talking about doing what you've done with your career as well. I'm talking about just like the basics and having a really strong sense of what is healthy for my body, because there's always going to be opinions. There's always going to be something new, but you have to go back to like, how do I feel? Like, like if you're, if you're, you know, your mom, I know mom, almond mom is like really big right now, but if you have someone in your life that um, maybe have a has a tough relationship with food or things you see on social media, like go back to how you feel. Like if you're eating oatmeal in the morning, but you heard carbs are bad, how do you feel when you eat oatmeal? Like, does it help with your digestion? How is your energy? And that has to be part of the decision making if you were to ever give up a food. Like you don't just give up a food because you saw something on TikTok. That's a horrible idea. That's a really good advice um, because I feel like that actually comes up a lot with oatmeal, steel cut oats, oat groats. People like to, you know, and people with good intentions like to make you feel like, you know, that food is going to get stuck in your colon and you're never going to be able to really digest uh, it. Wait, is that a thing with oatmeal? Oh, Lord. <laughs> yes, yes. And quite a few people I know that's, that are in a more juicing colon hydrotherapy world, um, they highly encourage people to not touch oatmeal with a 10 foot pole. But then if you look into the traditions of foods that we consume and people that are really into, you know, finding, um, the types of food that nourished our ancestors, then you would see that throughout Scotland, throughout Northern Europe, even during Roman times, people have been eating oats for breakfast for years. It fueled armies, um, very successful armies. Um, you know, you know, there's, um, these islands off the Aran islands, off the coast of Ireland, they don't eat much there. They literally eat like oats, fish, seaweed, a few other things. And, the people there have been flourishing for a long time. So, you know, like you mentioned before, you'll hear everything. You'll hear the good 
the good and the bad of absolutely anything that you can imagine these days. Oh my goodness. I have so many thoughts from what you're saying. Okay. First, I completely agree, especially with thinking about the regions. And honestly, when you don't have in-depth conversations about nutrition and you've never talked about nutrition, it's so easy to like see a clickbait headline. I mean, all the news stations still do it where it's like this food, we see it causes cancer or this food like is really bad when, you know, it doesn't give context to the research, the understanding of it. And even how often you're eating and you know what's the most mind-blowing thing that I remember in my master's degree that I had no idea was very research oriented I thought it was going to be more clinical but it actually my master's was really focused on like research and interpreting research and it's so interesting because no one's talking about the fact that nutrition is the hardest hardest like one of I want to say like the hardest thing to study because you can't isolate a human and their diet and what they did years before they come into a research study. And even if you are isolating something, the, the thing with calories and macros is you change one thing, but it impacts the rest of it. And there's all these confounding things. So I'm not saying it like, oh, like I'm smarter than you when I say something's right and, and you think it's a different way, but it it's that you can make research say anything and you have to look at research with a really, really critical, thoughtful eye when you have these conversations. And so when a headline just says one blatant thing, it's like, well, well, what goes into that decision? And what, what does the rest of your diet look like? And I know that's not the fun, sexy stuff to talk about, but it's important because a lot of the people making these big headlines around nutrition, they're not the people doing the research and, and trying to educate and empower people. Instead, we're just causing fear around food and fear around having your oatmeal for breakfast. That's probably really good for your damn heart health. <laughs> yeah. And for your gut and all the good fiber that's in there. And it might just make you, you know, Consciously, it just might make, make you feel good because you have good memories around having that as a breakfast as a child or a teenager or whatever time in your life. But I want to learn more about weight loss from you. Like that is one of your specialties. Are there a few things that you that's really easy for you to identify when you're working with a client on ways they can shift for faster weight loss? Well, I first just want to say the whole conversation on oatmeal, I swear we're going to close that loop, guys. But your definition of healthy, or not Whitney's definition as I'm looking at her right now and saying your, but you know, for anyone listening to this, there's many definitions we have of healthy, but it's like, what does that really mean? Um, so, you know, for many women, I'm just thinking about like food logs, like I'll have a client say, oh, I'm eating oatmeal for breakfast, but it's like, well, how much? Where is it from? Is it more packaged? Is there added sugar in it? Or is, there, is this homemade and you're making it from scratch? Like what type of oats and all of these things go into it. So that's why it's really important to understand what actually freaking matters for weight loss. Um, so I kind of like to make it really simple. You can make this so darn complicated. Nutrition is obviously a science, so we can go very deep with it. But on the most basic level, weight loss comes down to calories. If you want to lose weight, you want to lose body fat, you have to eat less than what you burn. There are no if and buts around it. Like it, it's a scientific fact, but the trouble with nutrition is what you eat, how much you eat, the types of foods you eat, your digestion, your metabolism, all these things go into how your body uses calories for energy and for fuel. Um, and obviously it's, it's a human science, meaning that we have our emotions and you know other things that go into this journey too, but ultimately weight loss does come down to calories. So any diet, even if it's a bad diet that I would never, never endorse you to follow, if you've lost weight, 
10 or more pounds on a diet, for instance, that came down to you eating less than what you burn, not because you ate some magical fat loss burning foods. It's because of calories ultimately. And so that really has to guide the conversation of weight loss. And I think a lot of times we try to like go around it, like, oh, like keto worked really well, or, you know, veganism worked really well. Like ultimately it's really about what is in your food. Like that is what's driving this conversation with weight loss. So yeah, that's really where you start. But then of course, what you eat, how much you eat, how you plan your meals, that's incredibly important for the, the how to actually eat less than what you burn. How do you work with clients who are saying, hey, I just eat when I'm hungry. You know, I don't overeat. I don't stuff myself. I just eat when I'm hungry. I make sure it's real food, you know, as healthy as I have access to, but I'm not losing weight. And then your response is, you know, calories in, calories out. Um, but they're, they don't, maybe they don't believe that. They just think, you know, I'm eating real food. Why, why, why am I not skinny? How yeah. do you manage that and those expectations? Yeah, it, and it's tough. So I have a method that I take my clients through, but I will say I, depending on the person, like everything has to be very personalized. For some people, I don't think they're ready to hear that message. And I'm a big believer in showing, not telling. Like, I think there's a lot of fitness coaches out there that are like calories in, calories out, but like that doesn't resonate and that doesn't help and empower someone to understand the how behind why they're sabotaging, why they're not seeing progress ultimately. <clears throat> so that's where... You know, calories are really important, but what I have my clients do is, at least for a period of time, actually tracking your food intake. And shamelessly, it's a little bit more for us than it is for you because I want you to obviously be accountable, but I want you to be aware. I want you to learn more about what's in your food. Tracking is not a pass-fail exam. It's not saying, you know, you have to track for the rest of your life. Heck, I don't track my food. But if you don't understand the food that you're consuming and what is in it, the macros, the vitamins, the minerals, I, one, I'm not doing my job, but two, it's going to be really hard for you to understand where you're going wrong and what actually needs to change. So tracking is that first piece, understanding your calorie budget, what that looks like. And what's actually really ironic is people think tracking is so restrictive at first, but similar to like cooking and a recipe, tracking is just a guideline to help you better plan your meals, better plan your intentions. Um, and I use tracking to actually kind of help my clients eat more because so many women think you have to slash calories, skip meals, eat these like teeny tiny 300 or less calorie portions for meals. When in fact, I want you getting full. Like I want you getting full because that's why you're binging on the chocolate chips at 5 PM. That's why you're overeating the actual chips on the couch when you're watching Real Housewives in the evening. Like like the, the planning in advance helps so, so much. And of course, portion sizes is a whole conversation, but that's really where I start. And I will tell you, you know, food blog reviews are one of my favorite things to do, but you can get so far by just setting up your plan right and actually understanding what you need to do. Because a lot of people, and I hate to say this guys, but we're gonna go there. A lot of people think they know what to do for weight loss. But in my experience as a dietitian, it's not that you don't, you're not smart and you're not educated. I, I've worked with dietitians and trainers, but it's that you just don't know what you don't know. And when you are trying to hold yourself accountable, it you're a really hard judgment call for yourself. Like it's really hard to coach yourself. That's why having that outside perspective, I can see what you can't see essentially. That's really interesting. How do you suggest somebody starts logging what they eat just so they can become more aware? Do you, should they start writing in what they're eating on a notepad in their notes app on an app? What do you suggest? I think it really depends on the person and depends on your background and relationship to food. 
Now, most of my clients, especially in like a coaching environment and an environment where we're kind of guiding you, it makes a lot of sense to kind of go full blown into it because you have us in a supportive environment. We're checking in on how you're feeling. But when you've come from like a disordered eating background or maybe your, your knowledge and understanding of nutrition is a little, little, you know, not so much there. Um, that's where I recommend, you know, even just, just writing even on your notes app on your phone. Like you don't even have to put it in my fitness pal or lose it or any one of these apps. Like even just writing it down can be so incredibly helpful, but ultimately there does become a point where push comes to shove, you know, calories are important and understanding writing down your food can be incredibly helpful for people for you to start to understand where you might be going wrong. But there is a point too where I have clients that are like, you know, I'm hitting my calories. I'm not losing weight. And that's where the conversation then goes to, okay, what are you eating? What are your portion sizes? What are the types of macros that you're consuming? Um, how much protein or, or fiber are you having in your diet? You know, where, uh, what's the quality of your foods like? I was, you know, I'm rambling now, but I just talked to my husband about this last night. I was like, the amount of women I see that are saying, I'm eating healthy and no offense to diet foods, but we're going to go there. Yeah. The amount of diet foods, quote unquote diet foods, like, like rice cakes and PB fit and like all these lower calorie, like protein cookies and things. I see so many women eating all these diet foods. And that's actually part of the reason why they're not seeing the progress that they want to because their quality of their diet isn't there. So, you know, calories is this place to start. Obviously what you eat is really important, but yeah, whether it's on a, on a food tracker app and you can learn more about the actual nutrition that's in your food, or even just writing it down, the key is building awareness. And then after that awareness, you have to understand really what to do with that information. And that requires a little bit of nutrition knowledge. All right. So what are some of those foods that you see throughout your clients that they're eating like rice cakes where they think they're making a healthy choice, but it's actually sabotaging their ability to get healthy and lose weight? Yeah, I think it, I'm going to, I'm going to go back in the vault of some common things I've seen with some yes. of my favorite clients ever. Um, some of my clients don't know better, but Things like having multiple Starbucks drinks a day, that can definitely add up. And eating out especially can add up because, yes, you're seeing the nutrition facts on a menu. And it's not that I don't want you to eat out. I'm a very fun dietitian. But when you're eating out so consistently and you think you're logging something, like it's really a guesstimation at the end of the day. So that's one thing I see go wrong. Um, for some clients, even more recently, um, I love looking at a food log moment because I can see, you know, three and a half or four ounces of chicken logged is like 80 calories. It's not really 80 calories. It's closer to like... 300, 250, depending on also the cut of chicken it is. So mislogging can be a really big thing as well, um, which is not make or break, right? You mislog a little bit of broccoli, probably not the reason why you gained 30 pounds, but it's just the intention behind also how much you're having and like what their portions look like. Um, I'd say diet foods can really, really do a lot of women dirty. Um, not only because packaged foods, there is a little bit of discrepancy allowed uh, by the Food and Drug Administration for the amount of calories that are actually like... It can be a little bit off, let me put it that way. So it could be 200 calories that you're logging, but you know, is it really 250? Like there's a little bit of measurement error that is allowed. But regardless, when my clients are eating a lot of diet foods, it's not that the calories they're consuming are bad. I mean, a calorie is a calorie, but it's what they're missing in their diet. They're not getting enough protein. They're not getting enough fiber. They're not getting enough color and, and things like phytonutrients that we, we can't even track that in my fitness pal, right? Like all these other things. So it's not that I, I want to shame any one food. I truly believe your diet's a puzzle and all things can fit, but 
It's the habits over time. And the final thing I'll say is a lot of my clients eat very, very well during the week. The weekend is where they are overdoing it. And it's not that they're not on point when they're on point, they're on freaking point. It's that they're so restrictive during the week that the weekend, they just haven't found that sweet spot of how to bring that weekday energy into the weekend, as I like to say. What are some of the things you like to order when you go out to eat? Because I'm like you. I truly believe the healthiest meal you can eat is the one that you eat at home for a multitude of reasons. But, you know, you want to be able to connect with your friends. And sometimes you have to do that at a restaurant or for business opportunities. So what should we be looking for on the menu there? Yeah, I'm probably pretty similar to you. I'm a big believer in thinking about the balance plate. So I always say carbs, proteins, veggies, that's the bare minimum for what we want to make as a balanced meal. Um, That being said, I mean, there's times where I order a salad and maybe there isn't a starch, but hey, I had a little bit more starch earlier in the day. It's no big freaking deal. But um, I think if there's one piece of advice at restaurants and not because I want you to be low carb because I don't, but if you can look for a pop of color and you can also look for protein on your plate, you're already doing yourself so incredibly well. And then bonus points, you're getting extra credit if you get in fiber through the starch there. Um, But carbs, proteins, veggies, definitely that foundation. And then honestly, I'm a big believer that restaurants, it's not so much the meals typically, unless it's like, not that we're going to Cheesecake Factory, but I always use that as an example. Like they can be massively big calories and we know that because they have to write it on the menu. Um, But it's usually not the meal that's getting you off track. It's the alcohol, it's the appetizer, and it's the dessert, and all of the extras in there. Um, So that's why I'm not saying don't have those foods, but it's just being really intentional. If you're on a weight loss journey, and it's worth it for you to have a little bit more fun, and that's going to, you know, be really worth it for you, say you're at a wedding or a special event, like, that's a decision, and we can make it fit in, and that can fit into your weekly budget, but ultimately, you have to look at your habits over time. If you're going out to eat multiple days a week because it's part of your work and you're whining and dining people and you know that's always there, that there are sacrifices that have to be made, but it's not so much about restriction. It's about understanding what is my purpose and intention with this meal. Um, there are meals where I try to eat exactly like I do at home, except I'm just not making it. And then there's meals where I'm like, F yeah, like I want to have some fun. Um, but it's really just, you have to go in with the intention with it or else dining out can do you dirty. What are some of the foods your clients cannot give up? They're kicking and screaming. They have some sort of emotional connection to these foods and they just really don't want to let them go, even yeah. if it's going to support getting the results they want. Well, I'm a big believer of like fitting it in. However, okay. there are times where I have to have conversations with my clients around things like wine. Let me tell you, I never realized how many people drink a lot of wine. I guess I've lived under a little bit of a rock, um, but a lot of wine can be very difficult. And I get it, especially depending on what stage of life you're in and, and what that looks like. Maybe you've carried a baby for nine months and now you're like ready to break free. So I get it. Um, but wine can be difficult. I think sweets in general, a big emotional tie for my clients, especially those that struggle with overeating. And, you know, food is comfort. Like I very much relate to it. Like I, I, I think food, whether it's sweets or salty stuff, like it's something that is so personal through like whether it's childhood trauma or just childhood memories that are positive and, and that can kind of permeate throughout your whole life. Um, it can be comfort for people. So yeah, it can be really hard to give it up, but I do think some of the foods that we like crave sometimes and overeat 
a lot of times some of it too is because of the fact that your diet isn't balanced and they've become sort of like support systems too, paired with that emotional tie of it. Um, so it's very normal to emotionally eat, but it's the context of which it occurs. Like when it's every day and you feel out of control, like that's very different than, you know, I've had a bad work day. Like I want some chocolate to help me out. Um, so I think it's really understanding that, but yeah, I'd say chocolate and, and wine are probably the biggest ones. Hi, I'm chef Whitney Aronoff. As a personal chef, I created custom organic spices for my clients. These blends are of the highest quality with no added sugar, MSG, caking agents, or any junk. I want you to have the same access to good quality seasonings, which is why I've launched my line of organic spice blends. High Vibration Foods by Starseed Kitchen is my collection of chef-crafted organic spice blends made with only good-for-you ingredients. I use organic source spices, ancient mineral-rich Redmond Real Salt, prepare the blends listening to Kundalini mantra music, then charge the jars with the quartz Giza crystals for a true high vibration experience. You can now purchase my most requested blend, 11 Magic Herbs and Spices, on StarseedKitchen.com. Use code STARSEED for 10% off your purchase. Can't wait for you to enjoy. What should some of us start eating more of if we want to lose a little weight or tighten up for the summer? Oh my goodness. Well, my favorite thing at the moment is to recommend eating a sweet potato. Uh, not like that's your full meal, right guys, obviously. Um, we'll let Whitney do the cooking over here. She's way better than me. Um, but I'd say definitely like healthful carbs. I think a lot of people do like the diet carbs that have like the added fibers. Like what about having like a sweet potato or like, I'm just really big on eating things from the damn earth. Like, like let's, let's get our hands dirty in the kitchen. I'm sure you feel the same Whitney, get our hands dirty in the kitchen and let's get cooking good looking. Like let's have a little sweet potato, regular potato. Let's make some quinoa, put it on a salad. Like I think having more higher quality carbs instead of cutting carbs, higher quality carbs, so they keep you satisfied for longer. Um, some of them have protein in them. They're they're really really awesome. Um, I'd also say in the in the grand scheme of things, though, most women when losing weight are not eating enough protein. Um, I know protein is super pushed through like diet bars and protein shakes, and I'm not talking about that kind of protein. I'm talking about at your meals, the chicken, the fish, the the poultry, you know, whatever it is, right? Uh, making sure you're getting the right amount of protein through those high quality sources on your plate, and not through just like diet bars and and, and shakes. Um, not that I'm against those things, but the whole foods approach is, is definitely where it's at. I'm a huge fan of meal prepping sweet potatoes and there's so many different varieties out there and they hold so well in the fridge. Um, and I also, I really like them cold, like straight out <laughs> of the fridge, cold. I think they're so much more delicious than actually hot out of the oven. And I think I heard from a dietitian once that the sugar starches change in the sweet potato when it's cold and it doesn't spike our blood sugar like it does when it's hot. Is that true? Yeah. So I don't know about sweet potatoes. It's so funny, actually, when you said that, I immediately, when you said the cold piece, I immediately thought about in um, pasta, that's where everyone, I know at TikTok, that was a really big trend. And that actually is based on some research, not definitely like my specialty. So I can't come out here and like confirm or deny, especially I haven't read that research. Um, however, I would, I would assume it probably does change similar to how pasta and that whole, whole narrative is as well. But yeah, either way, it's very tasty. And um, 
very off topic, but I do love pizza cold too. Um, something about having cold carbs sometimes is fun. <laughs> I like pizza too. I don't like pizza in general, but I occasionally like um, a deep, Chicago deep dish, but I like the Chicago deep dish cold. I like it the day after. Very bizarre. Um <laughs> So, you know, don't, don't take me out to a pizza restaurant, but you're welcome to bring over the leftovers the next day. Well, if anything, I want you making a pizza. You're such a good cook. Well, you know, I've made pizza for many years. Um, I used to have to do pizza demos all the time. I make dough from scratch for a lot of my clients when they have dinner parties. And so maybe because I've made so much pizza in my life in a big pizza oven, I'm, I'm good. You're like, I want someone else to make it for me. Yeah, I'm I'm totally good. Um, so With all the things that we've been talking about, how does somebody transition to more intuitive eating, to like getting to a place where they know the foods that make them feel good, they know the portions that work for them? Like, how does someone go from keeping track of everything they're eating to just trusting themselves? Yeah, it really starts actually with how you lose weight. And I think that's actually a big thing the diet industry really has missed the mark on because we think about the diet and like, we'll do anything to lose weight really quickly, but we're never thinking about the after of like, okay, the diet after the diet, which is like the rest of your damn life, like what that looks like. So I really think it really begins actually as you're losing weight, which is why I want you to think about how you feel and the lifestyle that you want to have. And I said this to a client today, she was like, having a little bit of difficulty with like eating out and feeling like she couldn't because she wanted to lose weight. And I'm like, think about yourself like six months, a year from now, do you not want to for the rest of your life go out to eat? Like we need, it's going to take more effort now, but we need to learn how to lose weight while incorporating going out to eat. And of course there's things you might have to give up or change because we are trying to be more intentional, but ultimately how you lose weight for you to keep it off. Like you have to create a lifestyle that you want to stick to for the rest of your life. So really starts as you lose weight. And I'd say specifically the tracking to not tracking conversation. <clears throat> that That's tough because every person's journey is a little bit differently. But what I can say is I've had clients actually stop tracking before they ended their quote unquote weight loss journey because it just felt really natural. And that really comes with how you go about tracking and how you're using it. And if you're not actually genuinely changing your habits while tracking your food, then it's going to become really difficult to not have an app just kind of guide you. But I'd also say if you're just having an app guide you and you're not putting in that internal work that actually takes your brain to you know make yourself do, um, you're going to hit a roadblock faster on your journey because tracking can only take you so far, but your hunger and fullness is incredibly important. And I can't tell you how many women track their food, especially on their own, but then it's like an afterthought to think about their hunger and fullness. But that actually has to be considered as you're tracking a lot because the tracking is just the guide. It's just the checkpoint, but just as important of a tool as tracking is your hunger and fullness is and really deciphering what that means. So yeah, I'd say starting from the beginning, making sure your lifestyle is, you know, something you want to stick to for life um, as you're losing weight. And most importantly, paying attention to the hunger and fullness as you're tracking your food is huge to make that transition a little bit easier. What are some of the apps people can consider looking at? Mm, Apps like for calorie tracking. Mm -hmm. So honestly, if you don't want to like put yourself victim to an app or anything, I like when I've done it before, like just do use the damn notes app on the phone. That's what I say. I guess that is an app um, through through Apple. Shout out to Apple. Um, So I think that's helpful. I think honestly, even having like a journal that you can food log in, that can be really helpful. 
I've had clients take photos before. Um, I know there's a lot of cool, like fancy apps now that are like, take photos and it will tell you the nutrition. But there's something I think just so important about whether it's weighing your food with a, a scale or measuring cups for a little bit of time and just like learning portion sizes. I'm not saying I want you to do that forever, but for you not to understand a portion size, it's going to be really difficult to learn how to eat without tracking your food. Like, and I think just even understand your body and its needs. Um, so I think using at least for a little bit of time, like a food scale, um, or even just measuring cups, that's what I've done on my journey. That's super helpful. Heck, I use measuring cups when I measure my oatmeal in the morning till this day. Um, so I think that can be helpful. And things like My Fitness Pal and Lose It are obviously very, very popular apps. I'm not endorsed with them in any way. My clients do use My Fitness Pal. I just find it really easy. But yeah, I think just finding what works for you and ultimately, like this is this is not a life or death decision for you, ladies, because I don't want you doing it forever. I don't want you doing it forever. It's just to build awareness. So for those that do make their oatmeal from scratch, whether it's rolled oats, steel cut oats, or oat groats, how much should they be measuring out in the morning? Mm. So it will depend on your calorie needs. I mean, obviously for weight loss, I've never, never, and I think this is an important context, I've never had to put my client's calories below 1,200. And I say that because a lot of women think, oh my God, I have to eat 1,200 calories. No, like you can actually probably eat a lot more than you think while losing weight when you understand your metabolism. But, um, you know, a shorter client who's very sedentary is very different than a, a taller client, just for context, who might lift weights five days a week for an hour. Like the energy needs are different, so it would impact how many carbs and how many calories you need at a meal. But um, for, for oatmeal, I'd say anywhere between um, a half a cup to even um, one cup is actually a really big serving of oats. It's so ironic, but this morning my husband was measuring out oats while I was still in bed and he shouted down, damn, Lauren, like this is such a big portion size for oats because he like hasn't had it in a while, but it's on my counter because I've been having a lot of them lately. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I even sometimes do a third a cup of oats and then I put like um, banana sliced on top. And there's also like other add-ins too, but yeah, it really depends on what else you're adding in um, because we want to make sure you're getting satisfied. So I feel like breakfast is the hardest meal for people to figure out. Um, that's where I find most people are asking questions, what to eat for breakfast. What are some ideas that people can consider? Yeah. You know, it's funny that breakfast is the hardest meal because, and I feel the same way too, Whitney, but it's funny because I think at the end of the day, like for myself, that's when I'm like, oh, what does someone tell me what to cook? Or breakfast, like I think once you find your breakfast recipes, like they're your go-tos. Like people don't have, I feel like for lunch and dinner, we go through so many different things. I'm sure you're the same, but for breakfast, like I have my staples. So honestly, if you don't like eggs, I am freaking sorry, but I'm a big egg lover in the morning. Um, so whether it's two or three scrambled eggs over easy, do a little water in it, you know, the proper uh, food uh, recipe development word for it. But when you put the water with the eggs, I love that, like a little poached moment almost. Um, look at me, look at me, I'm a little good. Um, so I love that. Sometimes egg bites, similar to like a knockoff of like Starbucks could be easy meal prep. Um, sometimes I do oats and eggs. Sometimes I pair another carb with eggs. 
You could do an omelet if you want more veggies in there. Um, so lots of different options. Sometimes I've done like bakes and honestly quiches are really fun. A lot of work though, so we're not talking easy options, but I'm a big believer in mix and match meals. So um, I love like a la carte moments, especially for lunch and dinner, but for breakfast, like choose a carb, choose a protein. And then for me at breakfast, typically I don't usually have veggies at breakfast if I'm being completely honest. So that's where I try to get my pop of color through fruit. So, you know, this morning, for instance, I had oats with, um, I believe banana on top. No, I had strawberries on top because I ran out of bananas this morning. Um, and then I had like almond butter, vanilla almond butter from Justin's in there. And then I had two eggs on the side because I wasn't as hungry this morning. And for me, that does the job, but you really have to find what's that sweet spot for you. Some of my clients do better with a little bit of a higher calorie breakfast. Some do better with like a moderate calorie. Um, but ultimately, you get to decide how you spend your calorie money and, and really what makes you feel your best. What are you kind of really into learning right now? Like where are you? Where do you look to keep learning, whether it's in health, wellness, spirituality, and what's kind of sparking your interest right now? Yeah, I'd say on the nutrition front, menopause is really interesting to me and I'm actually doing continuing education that I'm holding myself accountable to by saying it on this podcast because I have to get it done before my deadline. <laughs> um, but I am very into that because I think it's really interesting what happens to the female body, especially as we get older. And I just want to be able to better, even better serve my clients because I've learned about it, but not like it's a super specialty of mine. So that's very interesting to me um, on the nutrition front, but I think on just the health and wellness front, I think learning about things like therapy and your mindset and how to manage your emotions and happiness, not that you like manage your happiness, but you kind of know where I'm getting at that. Like that's very interesting to me as I'm on my own personal journey, but I think especially just thinking about even my clients because so much of how you show up to coaching, it's not just the food that you're eating. It's all of the other shit that we have to unpack that is related to food because food relates to literally everything. It's the hardest thing to coach and counsel someone through. So yeah, I think learning about therapy and mental health is very interesting to me right now. Does that come up a lot with your clients that yes. they need more than just you while they're working on losing weight? Yeah, I will say, and you know, some of my clients don't have any significant mental health problems, but I always say my, my favorite best clients that are just a dollar work with, but also they see amazing results are the ones that are self-aware and the ones that oftentimes have gone to therapy. Not saying some of my favorite clients that, um, not that I have favorite clients, but like that um, having gone to therapy aren't amazing. They absolutely are. But I do find, especially when we're dealing with really significant relationship to food, dieting, weight issues, <clears throat> dieting, weight issues, the, uh, the ones that go to therapy and, and just are wanting to take control of their mental health more tend to have a better time in coaching. That's really good to hear. And it's just so interesting how you can't just treat one thing and get the results you want. Like you really have to look at yourself and the multiple layers that you are. I, I think it's important because everyone, I mean, that we came from the generation that we were taught just buy a meal plan online, just tell me what to do. And that's still something that permeates in our culture. But ultimately, for you to truly be able to lose weight, keep it off and feel really good in your body, I can't just tell you what to do. You have to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, but what's really cool is, you know, with the, the trend of podcasting and conversations like this, and even the longer form social media, I really think there is a switch happening in our culture where at least, you know, women of our age are really interested in, in learning the why behind what we're doing and 
whether it's breaking like generational things or honestly just, you know, becoming more well-rounded. I think we're very open to these conversations and even my older clients in their fifties and sixties, like I am seeing a switch and a transition, um, even compared to five years ago. Maybe that was COVID that really brought this up, honestly, but yeah, it, it's beautiful to see. It's harder work for sure, but it's, it's awesome to see. No, it's great that there's more ways that people can learn. But what I keep kind of seeing as I talk to different people on my podcast and work with clients on a day-to-day basis as their personal chef is that one-on-one touch, you can't get away from the incredible power of the one-on-one touch and how that transformation unfolds. There's so much that you can do on your own through learning, through online courses, but it seems to move faster when you have that coach. I completely agree. And it's funny, actually, like I've had clients with, you know, me as a dietitian, having a trainer, having a chef, and, you know, not everyone has access to these things, but ultimately, whether it's even just one person in your corner, being able to have someone guide you more is huge. Now you have to trust that person. I've had clients come from situations and not even nutrition, just like other situations where they have been misled because they weren't working with someone that was a subject matter expert. And and also, you know, a credential doesn't mean anything. Like you have to really understand who you are working with, make sure you vibe with them, they understand the goals and the intentions. Um, but there's so many amazing people out there that can help you. And I really agree. There is something really special about one-on-one connection and coaching. Um, and it's actually so random and ironic, but I was looking up something on the internet about like fad diets and I came upon like this list of the best diets. Every one of these lists was a commercial diet program that you're not working with someone one-on-one. And it just really struck me. I was like, not like, not, let's not talk about the commercial piece, but I'm like, the, the fact that these are all not one-on-one programs, when nutrition literally, like we know it has to be personalized to you. Like that's crazy. And not that you can't see success in a program that is designed for, you know, more of a mass audience, but for how many people that struggle with their weight and their relationship to food and health problems, it's so crazy how still in our culture, there's just so much push towards like generic shit. I gotta be real. So it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. No, that's why I brought it up because there's a real big push through losing weight, just follow this course. And there are just certain things where you can't get away from having a one-on-one coach to help kick something off for you because you need something personalized. And then you can go from there once you learn the skills one-on-one with somebody. Yeah. You have to really understand what your body needs. And even with working with someone like you, like if you, if your client comes to you and they don't understand what they need, they're always going to be disappointed, right? Like you have to be self accountable. (laughs) Thank you so much for mentioning that. That happens a lot where people just don't even know what they want food wise. And so with my clients, I put together a menu for them every week with let's say 10 options that they can choose from because then that sparks within them what they really want. They have to see a menu and know what the options are to order to be able to activate with them what their body's really craving. And then I always tell them, hey, you can ask for anything. It doesn't have to be on the menu. 
you can choose from this, but it's really there to get you thinking. Like, what do you want to eat this week? And you know, that's one of my favorite questions to ask my clients because I think we get very burnt out with food. And I'm sure you see this all the time, especially obviously making not not even meal plans, like full meals for people, right? And you know, when if you're, if you're listening to this and you're kind of like burnt out or kind of bored with food, like that's a big thing that comes up with diet with when dieting as well. But literally just ask yourself, like, screw food rules, screw the calories, like, don't think about anything. What do you want? Like, what are you craving or desire right now? And from there, like, usually you can always find a pretty good answer. So that's one of my favorite questions to ask clients, actually. I want to ask you some fun things before we wrap things up. I'd love to know, like, who, what are three accounts maybe you're following on Instagram or TikTok that you recommend we check out? Oh, my goodness. So people that I like watching. Oh Lord, I'm exposing myself now. Well, first off, I've been very infatuated with Sydney Adams. She, her editing is so cool on TikTok. She just has very positive vibes. Instantly became attracted to her and just loved the positivity. Also, I used to live in the Tampa area. So I was like, oh my God, really fun. Um, secondly, who else do I follow? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I follow other, not a ton of other like nutrition people, some others. Um, oh, now I'm really exposing myself. I love a little Dave Portnoy pizza review. So I do follow him. <laughs> it's just very lighthearted. Like, I followed that for a while, like considering our discussion of pizza, like I don't really like pizza, but I followed it for a while just because I appreciated the passion behind reviewing the different pizza spots. Yes. Yes. And I do follow his girlfriend too. And they live in Miami for the most part or she does. I know he travels a little bit, but yeah, I do like following them. Um, I think the pizza reviews are so funny. I'm not really into like, I mean, I like sports, but like not enough to follow him for that. So it's literally just the pizza reviews. Um, very interesting to me. And then a third person I follow, I'd probably say, oh, I'm, I've been more recently into not skinny, but not fat. Um, I follow very random people, as you can see. <laughs> I try not to absorb too much nutrition information on the internet. Um, I see obviously random things come up, but um, yeah, I like a little celebrity, not even gossip, but just kind of like knowing what's happening. Like if I want a little escapism from my normal life, I love it. And I think she's just really funny. So yeah, those, those are probably so, three people. <laughs> I secretly listen to her podcast sometimes Ooh, for wow. escapism. I mean, like, let's be real. I like Bravo. Um, you know, that's because I live in health and wellness and food. Like sometimes I just need out of that. And so I'll check out her podcast and there's always people she has on who I just want to learn more about like what their life's like and what their routine's like. I find it so interesting. So me too. And then the I only thing I'll mention is I don't, so I recently actually just started following her. Um, I forget why I wasn't following her, but Alex Cooper, but I do now her podcast with some of these guests have been very interesting. And I, I was not like an original, like daddy gang person at all. I like didn't really know what it was honestly until that drama exploded with her. But, um, I have been listening a little bit to that show. I know a lot of people have like thoughts on it, but, um, there's been some cool guests. Like she had Christina Aguilera on and I was like, Oh my, I'm, I'm like, in, I already love Christina and like her whole toxic error or not toxic. Oh my God, that's Brittany. Um, dirty air. But, um, that, that's been interesting seeing like the behind the scenes on, on, uh, on some of the celebrities out there. 
No, I tune into her podcast too. Um, but you know, like I'm, I'm not, I don't follow like one podcast and listen to every episode. I, I very much pick and choose. So I liked her episode episode with Morgan Stewart. I liked her episode with the chain smokers. Like oh, she's I just love the chain smokers one. That was, was so great. Good. So yeah. good. Yeah. So she just has some, the John Mayer one was really good too. Oh yeah. I watched that. Um, the one with the, the guy Spruce, what's his name? Uh, Oh, Cole Sprouse. I watched that one too. (laughs) Like I I don't, he's not even from my Disney era and I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. My husband was like, do you even know who that is? I was like, I sort of do. Like I never watched the show. He's like, I actually watched the show when I was younger. I'm like embarrassed for you. But yeah, I pick and choose too. And honestly, this is actually a good reminder for people, whether, whether it comes to nutrition, anything on social media, like, like be intentional about the content you consume. I try to be more intentional now and I wasn't in the past. And sometimes of course, TikTok can make random things come up, but I, I do try to be intentional about the content I consume and trying not to like waste my time and trying to consume content. Like I, I learn something from it. Like on her shows, I actually like learn something or I think more about myself and, and, uh, it, it in a way it actually does make me a better person. <laughs> hey, what I took away from the Cole Sprouse podcast episode that I listened to was his use of the English language and how thoughtful he was with all the words that he used. And he has like a a beautiful artistic way of speaking and it was very eloquent and I really enjoyed that. And it reminded me the importance of um, continuing to read, to expand our vocabulary and just the importance of having um, a respect for the English language and being mindful of the words that you use. I thought it was that's what I took away from it. From it, I'm sure many people didn't didn't take that, but um, but I love jumping around to different podcasts and grabbing something new from from different guests. It's so there's so much out there, so much to learn. I completely agree. And one more thing on on the language piece, you will definitely have to listen to Ed Milet's podcast with Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. I knew nothing about Stephen A. Smith's background and history, but he had, I believe, really bad dyslexia. And it became so, because I've seen him on TV, obviously ESPN, like, duh, guys, but when I watch sports or whatever, but just hearing his story about how he overcame dyslexia and all the things, and he literally is known for his language. It was so incredibly interesting and made me really think about that. He always talks about like going to the dictionary because he's known for all these intense words. He used very similar to Cole in that episode. And I was like, damn, like you can always, you know, do your research ahead of time, plan in advance. And even your biggest weakness can become your absolute biggest strength. And so that's actually another podcast I love picking and choosing episodes to listen to. And it completely doesn't relate to anything I do in my day to day with, you know, coaching clients. But yeah, I think becoming more well-rounded will only serve you in your journey. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, it was such a treat to get to connect with you today. Uh, Where can the listeners learn more about you, learn from you, connect with you, hire you as a coach, all the places. Yeah, so you can find me really online, TikTok, Instagram. I've even dabbled in YouTube a little bit now. You can find me at Sorority Nutritionist. Um, also, the SororityNutritionist.com. My name's Lauren Hubert. Um, so you know you got, you're on the right site. There's only one of me. Um, and yeah, whether it's an Instagram DM, I always say my, my DMs are always open. You can shoot us an email. Um, we have a whole bunch of different programs, different free resources too. Um, so wherever you feel ready to start your journey and just really learn more about nutrition, I'm always here for you. 
What is one last tip that you can leave with our listeners? Just like one last healthy tip they can consider adding into their life. Oh, one healthy tip. The one tip. So I already said protein, so I can't use that one now. But I'd say planning daily movement. And I know for some people that can be really hard, but I think like the power of getting in steps, completely not nutrition related, but just going on, I know we call it a hot girl walk, but just moving your body. There is so much power to it. You're going to feel better. Your digestion is going to be better. You're going to think clear. You're going to make better choices. There is nothing bad about going on a walk, even if it's a five minute walk during a work meeting. I think definitely just trying to find movement would be my number one tip. Thank you so much. That's a good one. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to seeing you when you get to LA. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you for listening to this episode of the High Vibration Living Podcast. Please leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are tuning in from to help more listeners like and find this podcast. And if you really loved what you heard today, pay it forward and send this episode to a friend or loved one. For more Starseed Kitchen, visit starseedkitchen.com and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Be sure to pick up a jar of my high vibration foods, organic spices, which you can purchase on starseedkitchen.com. You can find me and follow along on my chef adventures on all your favorite social media channels at Whitney Aronoff. Thanks again for tuning in. Cheers to you and your health. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.